TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here for the 522nd time. Thanks for not being too sick of us, or unless you're new, welcome along, because every week I do this with Australia's number one wellness expert. He is the champion of cholesterol, like being good with it, not like being terrible with it. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, champion. Uh, hello, champ. Oh, you just champed me. Champ, you just champed me. Champ. We you won't do that because we will not champ each other. No, it's condescending in our, in our world, isn't it? Well, what's the most memorable champing that you've ever got? Listen here, champ. <laughs> Who, who's the, oh, it is so triggering. You got? What what champ? What's the most memorable champ you've got? I know this is. We, we'll talk about cholesterol shortly. It's just champ is ch and cholesterol is ch. That's where we're going with this. So, um, oh. what's your most memorable champing that you got? I'm feeling triggered even just talking about it. <laughs> um. Well, while you're thinking about yours, I'm going to tell you mine. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was at Thirteenth Beach Golf Club. There was my mate Daniel Malone. And as I walk onto the practice putting green at the near the entrance to 13th you, Beach. You're going to out someone here. You're going to out someone. I can feel it. Yeah, 100% I'm outing this bloke. I walk up and I see David Swartz and I go, Ox. And I know Ox. I've known him for years. Like I've, I've known him for years, right? And, and I've always been to him, cousin Damo, right? So my cousin Brent and my cousin Cam – like and, and there's me, cousin Damo. My cousin Brent is good friends with David Swartz, the Ox, and I walk up to Ox and I go, Ox, he goes, get a champion. And I've gone, oh, no. And DJ has, like, fallen on the ground. He's laughing and laughing because I got champed by Ox. And so that that has stuck with me forever. So now whenever I catch up with um, – whenever I catch up with – no. DJ, oh, no. Oh, yeah, champ. go on, go on. Whenever yeah. I catch up with Ox, I call him champ. I champ Ox now. <laughs> oh, this has gone nasty. Yeah. I didn't yeah. expect this to get nasty so quick. I was going to say <laughs> that isn't there a little grace period for our friends that, that do mate us or champ us because they might just be either a little bit stressed or not thinking or see us out of context or they have to buy themselves some time. No, nah. and you've just given nah. him nothing. No, you've given him no grace period. No, nah, because I reckon that that wasn't the first time that Ox had champed me, but that was the most memorable time that Ox has champed me, and and so I bring it up with him all the time now. And uh, you know, I tell Mark Allen, I tell all my mates, you know, who know Ox, Ox champed me. So that uh, that comes up. Tell David me, Schwartz. What, your, David Schwartz has your, been outed. What was your champ? No, well, it would have been from a similar era uh, back in sports media days. I can't give you the specifics. Sorry, I don't hold those <laughs> moments <laughs> in my mind in the same level of detail that you do. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, dear. Um, but at the same time, um, whenever champion. I – I could have been champed by Warney, um, yeah. God rest his soul, uh, but I only had – 
very small amounts to do with him. So I'd give him that grace because he would have met millions of people in his life and For can't sure. call everyone by their first name and say, hi, what's your name? And nice to meet you. Um, yeah. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> oh, dear. Now I'm tempted to like not get back on the straight and narrow of this episode and just to go a little bit wild because we, we were destined to talk about all things cholesterol um, and uh, how people are almost being champed into uh, thinking that they can just <laughs> just cleanse their cholesterol with a new pill. Yep. But um, we could reminisce for another 15 minutes or so too and talk about some. <laughs> no, no, let's go down the cholesterol route. We can do that uh, because yeah. I think this is important. The other day I was sent a newspaper article because I, you know, I still do radio and I was asked to go into radio and speak about this particular newspaper article and, uh, and the newspaper article was written by Robin Riley from the Herald Sun. And um, and the reason why I'm saying Robin's name is because she wrote the article and I want to give credit to her uh, rather than me just ripping off um, an article. So she the article headline said... acknowledgement. I like that. I like that when you're really not taking it as yeah. your own. It's so yeah. good. It's really important. Everyone listen up. That's good. Yeah, very important. Study finds alternative to statins led by director of New Victorian Heart Hospital at Monash Health. A revolutionary new pill may help hundreds of thousands of Australians suffering from cholesterol following a new study. So I was like, oh, okay, that's very interesting. Um, doesn't really float my boat because, you know, for decades we've been fed uh, statins and the virtues of statins and, and how good they are and, you know, how life-saving they've been and all that sort of stuff. And essentially that was born of the fat myth, like the myth that fat, saturated fat, causes cholesterol. So statin drugs were, um, I suppose, instituted, implemented, invented, and created and then distributed to block the production of cholesterol. Now, that in itself is a risky thing because we need cholesterol, right? So we need cholesterol for our hormones, particularly progesterone and testosterone. We've been through this a million times on this podcast. So we need to have it. So when I read of a new study that says new drug to cure old disease, superseding an old drug that's, you know, obviously out of patent now, so everyone's got access to it. I think to myself, okay, is this article a sponsored article? Has it been an – is it an advertorial? Like is it actually coming through as a little seeded piece of information from the manufacturer saying, hey, we've got this coming up. We've launched our application with TGA. What do you reckon? Do you want to write an article on it? And we'll see if we get a little bit of media on it and uh, see if we get a bit of chat about it so we can fast-track this drug to market because in Australia, we're two years behind the rest of the world in getting drugs onto market, into market. So let's do some media on it. So I I get a bit prickly when I see these sorts of articles because I want, I'm a bit sceptical, Piercy, uh, when I see these sorts of things. Well, you've been around the traps quite a while, so you know how the game works and you're talking the game. This yeah. is how a lot of mass media works. This is what contacts are for. These are the conversations journalists have. And we are not saying that this is fact, that this has um, been the case with this article. But it is no. just a mature conversation to say that these types of conversations happen between journalists working on any beat, whether it's sport, whether it's crime, whether it's uh, medicine, whether it's education. Um, people talk to people. Um, and that's how a lot of stories are written. Um, whether we say that happened here or not, we can't actually determine. But what you're saying is that it's not as simple as just reading an article and going, oh, yeah, well, there we go. And that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might recall 
back in 2020, uh, 2021, when the COVID vaccines were coming to Australia, it took the Therapeutic Goods Administration a long time to approve them. They were very, very cautious and very, very nervous about approving them. Um, and they were a long way behind, so the FDA, the European Union, uh, and so on and so forth. And so when I hear that the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, are slow to approve a drug or they're taking a longer period of time than other countries around the world, I thank God that they are taking longer because I think to myself there's an independent regulatory body that's taking the time to check to make sure that, it, one, it's effective, two, it's safe, and three, it's affordable for the Australian people to access a pharmaceutical intervention, which let's just say this, whatever pharmaceutical intervention you take, there's an upstream and downstream consequence. The consequence of the drug that you take that you want is the effect of the drug and the unintended consequences are the side effects of the drug. And the TGA has to weigh all that up based on the science and all the evidence. And then they decide whether or not it's appropriate for use in Australia based off a whole host of different you know, factors and mediums and algorithms and so on and so forth. So if they're taking their time, that doesn't worry me, but it concerns me that in this particular article, there's a drug name given, even though it's just come through its study phase. And then I think, okay, how did this get into the hands of the media and where are we heading with this? And then my consumer, you know, mindset with a journalistic background is also going, well, now this just gives another people, a, a for a better term, a, a magic pill, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, to uh, uh, sweep under the carpet, to gloss over the edges. And like you said, the cholesterol rises for a reason. Do we really need to block the production of it or can we address the reasons why it might be rising? Um, do you find that, you know, even still to this day, and this sounds like a Dorothy Dixon question, but it's like, we're still falling for it. It sounds so immature and jaded to even ask that question. But <laughs> I clicked on the headline. Like, I'm like, okay, what are they saying? Like, we are still craving a magic pill to cure whatever it, whatever real it is that we might be experiencing. Do you yeah. find that our lack of personal responsibility, there's two and a half million Aussies uh, with high cholesterol, there are 65% of us that are overweight or obese and even the most conservative medical practitioners will talk to you about the link between obesity and high cholesterol and some people will try and get out of that conversation by talking about genes or something else yeah. but do you think that our reticence to take responsibility for our own health is higher slash worse than it's ever been or am i just being a little bit stuck in my bubble no, you're definitely not stuck in your bubble. I think there's definite reticence. There's definitely a rising, you know, there, there, there's trends, but I think that what happens is the trends remain about the same. I think we've kind of hit a balance point where, you know, 65%-ish of people are overweight or obese and 35% or less are of normal or underweight. And I think that's about where it's going to stay. I think there's a consciousness level. Um, oh, that's a deep one. Yeah, I just think right. there's a consciousness level where people kind of go, well, you know, 60, 40, I, I hope it never gets to 80, 20. I really do. Uh, because 80, <laughs> We'd 20, be even more weird than we are now then. 
Yeah, well, I know we we are already unusual to be normal weight. You know, it's abnormal to be normal weight. So uh, I hope it never gets to eighty twenty. Um, eighty twenty being Pareto's principle. Um, I just hope that we don't head in that direction because a lot of things in the universe tend to work out to be eighty twenty. So um, it, it, I suppose where I was going with that is the trends we see highlighted highlighted are because of the circle of people that we hang out with. So we tend to hang out with healthy people. Um, that we will tend to find that they're more mindful of their health and well-being. Um, and then, but even then, like if you look at that group of people that you hang out with, you'll still see a percentage of people that are of normal weight and are of unhealthy weight. Um, that probably is similar to that statistic that you just gave, which also highlights the either lack of awareness awareness or the lack of concern that people might have for their overall health and well-being anyway so they might just you know play a little bit of russian roulette with their health and go well i'm just going to live my life until something happens one of my mates uh, was living his life until something happened and then he was told that he had high blood pressure and he had high cholesterol and i said to him hey i can help you with food and he said no i don't want your help i'm not going to change i'm just going to take the drugs Anyway, something else changed his mind along the way, and he's gone on to lose about 10 or so kilos, blood pressure's come down, cholesterol's all normalised, and is now in the process of coming off the drugs. And and I think that's absolutely fantastic, because many people have lived their life for 50, 55, or 60 years just kind of coasting through, expecting that a drug will save them. And then when push comes to shove, and they're faced with their morbidity and mortality, they kind of go, okay, well, that got me. How unlucky am I? But then there's a group of other people that kind of go, oh, you know what? I better do something about this now. That's what I said I'd always do. So, you know, congratulations to my mate that I'm talking about there. He knows who I'm talking about. I'm not going to name him. Uh, but he knows exactly who he is as I speak about him, and I am very proud of what he's achieved. And I'd love to see that more people do that. And I want to go back to this article because, if you don't mind, PC, because – Yeah, yeah, please do. Uh, the, the article, when you read through and you search, if you read through the article, you will think that this new drug replaces the need for the use of statins. And I think that's when you go down the comment section of this article, people are going, well, it's available in the EU, the US, uh, and in the UK. It's available there already. Why can't we have it here in Australia? And so I kind of did ask the same question, and I did start off by saying, you know, thank goodness for the, for the TTA taking their time. But the drug doesn't replace statins. It's meant to go along with statins. So it's been shown to continue to assist in the reduction of LDL cholesterol, which is considered bad cholesterol, um, in combination with a low-cholesterol diet and the use of statin drugs. So it's not even a replacement for statins. It's an, a use it with your statins. So if you're doing a, a diet and your statins aren't working, then take this drug as well because that's more likely to help. That's that's how this drug goes. But that's not how this report, how this article actually reads. So uh, I, that's a really interesting little, you know, sidestep of this particular thing. But in the article it says, and Professor Nichols, uh, who's, you know, he's a well-scholared and incredibly learned professor uh, at Monash um, Heart Hospital. Unbelievable, super smart, and just does so much great and life-saving stuff for patients and for the population amazing he says this new drug has the potential to help between 100 and 500 thousand people in australia and so that's a really big number 
And so that doesn't say that it's going to help everybody with high cholesterol. That's going to help people who are non-responders to only statin medication. That's basically what that's saying. Um, but it doesn't say that in uh, in this particular article. Anyway, so it's very, very interesting. Um, the study took place in 32 different countries. It tested 14,000 people. Um, statins are used daily by two and a half million Australians, which is unbelievable. So it's expected that this new drug might help 100,000 of them and maybe up to 500,000 of them. So somewhere between two and 20%. Uh, it's not a whole lot. Or two, yeah, tw- yeah 20%. So um, it's again, I would just, I would plead with our listeners to first look to all of the things that you can do to bring your health back you know do all the things that you can do to take control so in our last episode we spoke about me having COVID. so i'm doing the zinc and vitamin c absolutely i'm taking andrographis and astragalus like to you know boost my white blood cells and my natural killer cells so that i give my body a really good shot at getting on top of this by itself now, when I say by itself, it's supported by vitamins and herbs, but I'm using a stimulating the immune system. I'm not trying to take um, other things that might actually affect it. So I know this is virus and the other one's lifestyle for most people, but still try to do as much as you possibly can to get back control of your health. I think it's really important. This is so good. You've got me hooked on the comments now. Um, okay. of, this is a Herald <laughs> Sun article, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm reading some going – Wow, it's amazing the cross-section of uh, society that, that makes comments here. So Georgia says, just go on the Mediterranean diet, do your daily exercise, socialize well, cut the stress and forget about everything else. You are not meant to live forever. I was like, I think she's been listening to 100 Not Out or we need to interview her. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Good call. You know, and then there's a lot of other questions around the fact that, yeah, you know, developed in Australia or tested in Australia but then can't be – can't be had and so on someone else uh, there were some other good ones in here how about sorting your diet out before you rely on drugs um and then there are other people that are very happy that it's on its way and so on and so forth um but there are some really interesting you know people saying check your food labels stop having so much terrible fatty food like it's really kind of i suppose um and maybe uh, maybe i am seeing you know just the comments that i want to see but i also love seeing people that take responsibility Like you said with your mate, you know, like you love seeing people take responsibility for their lives, whether it's their health or whether it's their wealth or their career or whatever it is. There's something really um, attractive and engaging about seeing people take responsibility rather than um, having that victim identity or um, I can't do anything about it identity. You kind of want people to actually have a crack at taking responsibility for their health. Yeah, 100%. I just uh, had me on mute there because we've got an automatic cat feeder here, right? And so <laughs> and I've been kicked out of my office, which is where I normally do uh, the the calls from, and uh, and I've come down to the kitchen. So the automatic cat feeder just started going off, then it goes off right on 3 o'clock, and it's going off, and you've just like done the pause thing for it to come back in. So sorry about that. There was that little pregnant pause, but that's what I was explaining. My cat doesn't have cholesterol because her diet's so good, i got to tell you. We love you, Misty. Yeah, we love you, Misty. Anyway, so can you ask that question again, please, PC? Oh, no, just the comments that come through on the article from all different types of people is just really great to see that um, taking responsibility yeah. for our health is yeah. something that, that people love. 
people yeah. love it. And I think this is an, this episode really, you know, poses a number of questions as we begin to wrap this up. But are you taking responsibility for your health? It doesn't have to be around cholesterol. It could be about all other areas of your life. Yeah. Um, are you expecting something or someone to come along and fix it for you or improve it? Um, because I do wonder, you know, as you were talking, I was like, do people that have high cholesterol that take medication – um, then stop saying that they have high cholesterol. <laughs> do ah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do, because do they no, feel I think like... what they actually say is their cholesterol is under control. I think that's, that's yeah. off the language. And same with blood pressure. Yeah. Same with blood, blood pressure. Control. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting even just saying that because it's under uh, artificial control, isn't it? It's not under a, a genuine um, self-led control, for want of a better term. So, yeah, um, and I know artificially people too... That teeter their pharmaceutical use to their lifestyle. So instead of changing their lifestyle to their pharmaceutical drug use, they, you know, go back to the doctor to increase their medication because they're not willing to change their lifestyle. Does that make sense? So they don't want mm-hmm. to die from that disease, but they don't want to change their lifestyle either, which I think is an ass about way of trying to stay alive. Well, speaking of which, this is one for our for a future episode i was in the cafe the other day and uh one of the people that worked there she just asked me what i did for a living and i told her and she started telling me about some of her friends you know in their early to mid 20s that live these wildly excessive lives but are on the metformin bandwagon to live forever and they are (laughs) genuinely of the belief that they can do whatever they like with their lives but yeah. metformin will give them a longevity that yeah. people that aren't taking metformin won't get to experience. And I was like, oh, I've got to talk to Damo about this. Oh they gosh. have taken the Kool-Aid. They have uh, drunk the Kool-Aid. And, yeah. you know, this is the danger of direct-to-consumer advertising. The reason why in Australia, uh, in fact, there's only two countries in the world that allow direct-to-consumer advertising. That is New Zealand and the U.S., and in Australia, we don't allow direct-to-consumer drug advertising because off-label utilisation and over-prescription and over-utilisation of pharmaceutical drugs in Australia is discouraged. But this is a classic example of where small amounts of information being used by populations to use a drug off-label for the potential of something that's never been proven but because someone said that it could this is the example that we need to be using. It's a, it blows my mind that there's practitioners out there prescribing drugs off-label for stuff that's not proven, and they and get just away for, with it. Yeah. This is this is a, that, that's a whole other episode for people wondering what's he talking about. So, direct to consumer, you cannot, you will not see an ad on Australian TV for a medication that you can only get a prescription for. You might you know, see like in America. For, in America, like, you will see Super Bowl ads. Yeah. Prescription drugs and say New Zealand. Yeah, but but yeah. what as you're saying this, and again, I'm not saying this for a fact that this happened with this cholesterol article, but if pharmaceutical companies cannot put their budgets towards direct to consumer ads, but they're gonna put it into some form of marketing, then it may find its way to enter the mainstream media in other ways other than 30-second TVCs. Um, We might see uh, features on longevity on a current affair that may reference um, drugs like metformin. We might uh, (laughs) see people interviewed or stories written that might find a way 
for a transaction to occur that the line item is not 30-second TVC. It might be something else. So we've just got to be somewhat shrewd as a consumer as to the information that we're being fed and how it's being delivered to us and how much critical thinking are we applying to it. Yeah, agreed, PC. Agreed, PC. And let me just say, PC, I'm sure, you're not meaning that this particular article was sponsored. And I, and, and I know that. Just that saying not, it happens. Not not it, this article? Not, Can't, it, don't know that it, for a fact? We don't know. We don't know. Um, but there's a potential avenue for that sort of stuff to take place. And so going there with a little bit of a critical mindset on, no need to wear a tin hat about it, but be a little bit critical. Yeah, well, even I think of like wellness summits, we would have Zazen Water be a sponsor. So yeah. they've got stage time. Like, of course, absolutely. So you're going to hear about Zazen Water. So yeah. if there's arrangements going in any business at any time, it's yeah. always going to be leaning to the person that's paying the money. So You know what? We haven't done anything with Zazen Water for a long time. We should talk okay. about why wouldn't you have a Zazen Water filter? Anyway. We, we Talking my language, that. I can see it behind you. I can see it behind you, behind your. Oh, is that your there, right shoulder? There it is. Is that your right yep. shoulder? That's my right shoulder. Yep. Oh, so. people, poor people, sorry that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> They'll be like, you can't what? see it. <laughs> We're not live. We're not live on Facebook. This one. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, got my zazen. Love it. Yeah. Uh, well done. Well done. All right. Well, I'm off to have a zazen. Cash for comments. No, that's a joke. We both <laughs> bought our zazens. Yeah. Um, but yes, thanks again, Damo, for your wisdom and your insight. Uh, and for everyone that's been listening, we hope that this has been educational in some way and a bit uh, edutaining, as we like to think. Uh, for more on Damo, head on over to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. And until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.